number one is engagement. Yes, because it's very easy to look at user numbers or signups or things like that. But those signups mean nothing if people just sign up and and don't continue to engage with your platform or your product. So if they just sign up to your, whether it's a SaaS product or a Web3 product, they come in once and they never come back again. (laughs) That means you're building a leaky bucket. The road of an entrepreneur is guaranteed to be askew, and there are always big questions to overcome. How are tech founders bootstrapping their way to the top while spending money from their own pockets? How do they scale a startup that is primed for a successful exit, yet still remain profitable? These are the types of questions that this podcast will help answer, and it will shine light onto the livelihood of entrepreneurs, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the dirt in between. My name is Jim Barnish, and welcome to the dirt. Okay, joining us today is a master in building and growing Web3 companies. Whether you're a Web3 founder or you're wondering what the hell Web3 is or somewhere in the middle, then you are definitely in for a treat. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into all things strategy from Web3 product strategy to general strategies to make it through the coming downturn or recession. Serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, Sam Kamani, welcome to The Dirt. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Um, It's a pleasure to be here on your show. So looking forward to our conversation. Awesome. Let's start with the basics. Tell the audience who you are and how you got here. Yes, sure. So last 15 years or so, I've been involved in tech startups, but first, Jim, is It's a pleasure. It's great to be on your show. I always enjoy having a conversation with you, Um, especially you are also so knowledgeable when it comes to all things with um, tech startups, investment, growth, all those sort of things. So yeah, so last 15 years or so, been involved in tech startups, two different startups. First one in e-commerce, built it and sold it at the end of 2015, then built or worked on an esports company as their COO. That got acquired in 2018. After that, I wrote books on tech startups, how you build a tech startup really fast, how you pivot, how you iterate, how you build minimum viable products and grow those. So I wrote a book called 30 Day Startup. It became an Amazon bestseller, instantly stayed there for multiple weeks, sold tens of thousands of copies of that. That did really well. After that, I started speaking at events, sharing everything that I knew on tech startups, co-owned and agency for a little while where we were helping entrepreneurs build a minimum viable product. But what happened about a year, year and a half ago is that I saw all my friends moving to Web3. I have always been interested in blockchain and crypto and all those, and I always kept an eye on what was going on. But this was the time that I thought, you know what, I need to move into this space. I need to see what's going on and I want to immerse myself. So I left everything else I was doing I started Web3 with Sam with Sam Kamani podcast, and that's doing really well. And also, I started advising a couple of Web3 companies on growth. So you can say like a fractional CMO, and and so help them with partnership, help them wherever they need to get the the maximum sort of um, return um, for for their investment or their time. So so that's what I do apart from the podcast and speaking at events and being involved with lots of other things. So yeah, so that's me. Busy guy. 
<laughs> yes, lots, lots uh, every day. But it's so interesting. It it energizes me. It doesn't tire me. Like there is just people in this space have so much energy and there's so many things people are building that it is great to see future being built in front of your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the way that the way that you phrase that this this space, right? The space of, yes. of Web3. What what is Web3? Okay, so to understand Web3, I'd sort of compare it with Web1 and Web2. Web through Web Web One was all about consumption. So you know there was a lot of data on the internet in the Web One days, early days. There were there were blogs, there were articles, news websites. It was all about all about consumption. Web Two, you can say it was a lot about creation. It came with the rise of social media, with the rise of mobile phones, and and all these are just loosely defined concepts that are a collection of a lot of things coming together. So for Web2, there was the rise of 4G internet and 3G and 4G, there was the rise of mobile phones, there was the rise of all the social media that we know of, like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those sort of things. And it came the age of creation. There were a lot of content creators, whether it was YouTube or, or any social media, you know, whether or it was Instagram. So Web2, you can say it is like the age of sort of creation and on top of consumption. And what Web3 does is it takes it to the next level and it takes it to the to the layer of ownership. So you get ownership over your creation, over your content and, and so on. And your consumption is also rewarded in some ways, which wasn't before. So that's what sort of I define Web3 as where where tokenization makes fractional ownership and things like that possible or, or much easier and much faster to do. So yeah. So where 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 web one, let's just make sure I got this right. Where web one <laughs> was 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 really, you know, initial HTML, read only yes. content, right? Web two yes. was like how do we interact together? through content and community and these social networks started to populate, right? And pretty much everyone became a creator overnight. Everyone became it a creator It used to be overnight. just the, yeah, journalists and news writers and those people who used to create the, the news and the media. And then everyone is now. So every company became a media company. Every company needed a, a social media account after that. Pretty much everyone was a creator in the Web2 world. And in Web3 world, everyone eventually as it, time progresses, everyone will become an owner. You will own stake in whichever social media platform you are doing in form of its tokens and so on. Whether it's you're um, indulging in, in music, uh, listening to music or or creating music or listening or reading um, articles or playing games, you would own their, their in form of some form of a token and you would be financially rewarded for your time and your investment in it. This is so. This is so cool, right? I mean, it's really yes. the, it's really the future. And and just for for those that might not be as as knowledgeable on the subject, just to give an example, Web One might be, you know, Internet Explorer or some yes. sort of basic encyclopedia of of you know company based content, right? Web Two is then we talked about it, right? You said fa yes. Facebook, I think Instagram, like these things that are social mm. networks. And then with Web Three is you know really all things connected to to crypto or decentralization, yes. right? Whether it's yes. Bitcoin, which I'm sure everyone's heard of, or NFTs, which you yes. know the the recent craze, right? It's, yeah, it's this connectivity that that has never really existed before, and 
And so when people think about this, there's a given that we're headed towards this downturn, given that we're, you know, we've got a lot of a lot of hype that was in the air, right? It's yes. recently around NFTs and, and those types of things. What does that hype tell you around how the industry is looked at in general? And what can those that, that think of it just as a hype cycle around Web3, what, what can you tell yes. them that might change their mind? Yeah, okay. The thing is that th- there are two parts to the hype, the good and the bad. The, the bad is, of course, that people who come in the space, a lot of people, they are not fully aware of what is going on and they can invest in not so good projects. And this often when there ever there is a hype, it attracts all sorts of unsavory characters, whether it is the gold rush or the of the any of, of the of, of the American West of like two hundred years ago or 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 this day and age, or whether it was the dot com boom twenty two years ago and stuff. Sure. So it attracts so that's the bad side of it. And because of that there are massive sort of booms and bursts. Because of that sort of hype, that's the bad. The the good part of it is that it sucks in all the talent. If you look at the American West in the last 200 years, how much wealth has been created? That's not even related to gold, but that's it just got started because of the of the gold rush and stuff. But then now, like, you know, how many homes are there? How many businesses are there? How many factories, industries came about from it? So... Um, and the same thing with the dot com boom in the nineteen ninety nine two thousand one to that two boom and burst era. Um, yeah, so there were some companies that went bankrupt and some people lost money, but that was minuscule. That was like rounding error compared to how much the tech companies are worth. If you take all the tech companies in US and you total them, add them all up, what's their net worth? <laughs> it is in trillions, yeah. absolutely trillions and trillions. And all that value would not be created in the last 20 years. And how many people work in tech? It, it is one of the biggest sort of employment sectors. And, and it is the, one of the most well-paying sectors as well. All that would not be created if not for that, for that hype, the boom and burst. And the same thing I feel like it's happening in Web3. It is pulling in all the talent in right now. So over the next 15 years, 20 years, so many things will be built on top of this sort of Web3 infrastructure that, that are a bit more decentralized, that people can build faster and things like that. One of the projects that I'm helping out is like we are building a library of smart contracts. So if anyone wants, they can do it in a no-code way. So say if you want to start your own currency, it's like um, Jim. So you want to start Jim Coin, you could create it in the next three minutes or two minutes in a no-code environment and you can attach it to your uh, whatever product you are and then you can reward the users of your product with your own sort of tokens and stuff and create like a some form of a utility token now it's not new it, this has been there like air miles and points like that have been there whether it's starbucks points but all this sort of systems were reserved for massively large businesses and they were centralized now they're completely decentralized and they're liquid so if people i don't want to no longer want to do business with you I can still do something with those gym coins. I can go to a decentralized exchange like a DeFi exchange like Sushi Swap or somewhere. And then I can swap them to some other currency and and continue. Whereas when you don't want to use Starbucks, you cannot just go to an open marketplace and exchange it for for Ethereum or US dollars or you know Euro or anything like that easily. 
So that is the such a big difference. And you can do this in few minutes for your company, which you cannot. You have to be really, really big to do a really good loyalty program, like the size of an airlines or Starbucks or someone like that. So, so this is such a big change. I mean, this is just one use case, a very small example, but I'm sure there are like hundreds and hundreds of use cases that people will come up that we haven't even thought about how they will integrate in their own products and stuff. Just like when, you know, uh, when the, the handset, the phone in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, um, I don't know if you uh, if you see a movie from that era and you see all these stockbrokers, they were carrying these massive handsets. I mean, the phone didn't look, like, didn't look like this. It looked like a massive, like a brick, Motorola brick. And if you ask, there was no screen on that or anything. And if you ask them, what do you want in your phone? They would say smaller and lighter. That's all they could think of. They couldn't think of Instagram, you know, they couldn't think of Tinder on the phone or anything like that because it is so far. It is so, so far that those use cases weren't invented. It's like, let alone, so if you go to someone like that in the early 90s to a stockbroker and say, you know what, in in 20 years time or 25 years time in 2015, everyone will be taking picture of their breakfast on Instagram and putting, I mean, there was no Instagram, so they'd be putting a picture of their breakfast on their phone and they'd like, they'd look at you like crazy. You wouldn't <laughs> but, have believed it, right? Yeah, you would not right. have believed it. But that's what happened in 2012 to 2015. People were jumping onto Instagram and taking pictures of their dogs and breakfast and babies and stuff. I mean, it doesn't happen now because Instagram's getting old, but there will be new functionality that will be built on Web3 and how humans will interact with it and behave with it, we, we don't know yet how it will all play out. But what we do know is that there, there are massive tools for decentralization and to democratize usage um, of lots of different sort of platforms and functionality that didn't exist in Web2 that we have now. So, so now it's just li limited to human creativity. Yeah, and and you've obviously done a lot of building, right? From from Web two and and and, yes. past and and other businesses to now Web yes. three. What are what are the common trends that you see founders going through in in both areas, right? Like what are what are their what are the commonalities between building and growing businesses in Web two versus Web three? The key thing is solving problems. A lot of the Web3 businesses at the moment are doing the same mistake that a lot of the early Web2 startups did, that they were just building things for the sake of building things. And they were just sort of for, for the gimmicks. Like when the apps were new, one of the most common genre of apps, I mean, this is, I'm talking 2007, when the iPhone was brand new, the apps were like fart noise apps and things like that. People were just building <laughs> something. I mean, and people used it for once and it was all right for a gimmick and then they left, you know, kind of thing. And so. And, and people were just sort of experimenting. So we are in that same stage of experimentation right now with Web3. People are just experimenting, building all sorts of apps for, for fun to see what happens. And when you think about that experimentation gone wrong, right? What, yes. What are some of the things that you're seeing um, in, you know, maybe solutions being created without a problem? You know, maybe just a lot. Of Pretty much, like eighty percent, eighty percent of the stuff in Web three is are solutions for the problems that that don't exist. 
So it's like they're creating. You mean JPEGs shouldn't be worth billions of dollars overnight just for the hell of it? Um, <laughs> that that is okay. So the thing with, <laughs> with the JPEGs, okay, let's go into that. That's a very interesting topic because let's go into it. So it is like um, there are two. Actually, there are multiple aspects to the to the whole the JPEG saga. So it is not the the JPEG itself. The JPEG itself can be copied um, multiple times. But you know, if you look at the uh, the term NFT, non fungible, the T stands for token, and each token number is unique. And each token number you can go and check on like each scan or PolyScan or wherever it's made or um, Solana's um, sort of a scanning service to see who created that token and who created gives its value. Just like a painting, you can copy, you know, some sort of a modern art painting, but if the same painting was created by by Rothko, which was he just made pure black paintings, Rothko, and each painting is worth 150 million or something like that. Yeah. So you, you could create it, but your creation is not worth the same as Rothko's creation that's in a museum in, in Texas where his paintings are stored, a lot of them. It's not worth the, the same. So the creation matters. Now we can prove for any any content, whether it is a JPEG or a music or that you know, who first created it because of being on blockchain. So blockchain is nothing but a chain of blocks of data. So it it shows you who created and who sold and all that. You can see the history of, of that of that token number. And hence that gives it it derives its value from from that, partly from that. And then if you are one of the few people who own Rothko or you own the Salvador Dali's painting or something, then you are in that club of exclusive art holders. And because of the blockchain, it is really easy to prove. And there is no centralized authority controlling it. It is distributed over millions of computers around the world or, or tens of thousands of computers around the world. No one can switch it off. So, so that is such a unique aspect that we didn't have that before. Nearly every painting you see in the world there are people who are really good at copying paintings and that can be copied, whether through a photograph or through machine or through humans. And there's always art forgery has been big for throughout. And there was no way of knowing. Now there is a way of knowing that, okay, who, where the token number generated. So you can create a copy of a JPEG and mint, mint it as an NFT, but that will have a different token number to the original one. And now you can attach access to that token number. So it can be used as a ticket, just like what Gary V did, that if you want to go to VCon, you need his NFT. So his NFTs are same as, you know, five-year-old's drawings, like if you have seen those. But it's not the drawing that's valuable. It is the access that is giving you that's valuable. So it's like what people are putting attention to is the wrong thing. What people are missing is the is the story behind it it's like you can have a steak dinner in a restaurant and it's not gonna cost you a lot but once a year warren buffett auctions off as a steak dinner with himself or a breakfast with himself for two to four million dollars and so so it's like what people are arguing is that should a steak dinner be worth two million dollars so you know (laughs) no it's not but it is what what access is it giving you you know that is worth it so that's what we need to look at Right, the value and the utility of, of what we're talking yes. about at the end of the day. Yes, right? exactly right. Value and the utility of it. So who created it? That makes a difference. Does it give you an in into an exclusive club and stuff? And also the fact that all new art 
is going to be accompanied with a NFT and a token number eventually because it is much easier to prove authenticity that way um, compared to just just in a physical certificate that can be easily copied. Yeah, yeah, and and so when we think about the where of how things are going to go, right? The future of the future yes. of Web three and and what we're going to see, it's going to mirror a lot of the same trends, if you will, of the hype and the lows and the highs of, of Web2, right? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and of any big trend. But what I think I hear you saying is that there's there's real value here, right? Yes. That people need to be paying attention and don't let the hype fool you because there's always yeah. a hype element to this. And don't let the scams fool you because there are yes. a ton of scams. But, yeah. But pay attention to the fact that you should be paying attention. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is that when you first started using emails, I don't know if you remember, but I'm quite old that I've used all sorts of technology in the early days. So in the back, late in the late 90s, um, there used to be people used to use Hotmail, Yahoo Mail, AOL, all those. And they used to be filled with spam, you mm-hmm. know, like Nigerian prints and and viagra for sale from canadian pharmacies all sorts of things you know it used to be filled with that did did that stop people from engaging in email no people still use email i'm sure you have checked your email today a few times already (laughs) we use it every day so that's that is a problem and you know whenever there is a problem there is an opportunity so Gmail saw it as an opportunity with much better spam filters and a spam folder which automatically goes there. So you know what can you see here as an opportunity and not as a problem. So you can complain about a problem or you can see it as an opportunity and go and fix that problem. And that's when you will really make money. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what people are like tying back to some of the lessons of of uh previous trends right that's what people are doing now right we're we're yes. about to head into a recession you may think it's here it's just getting started right and yeah. and ultimately yeah. what happens during a recession is people build and what sort of people yes. build it's the people that aren't just in it for the hype but the people that love to build and i think yes. that's what you were getting at earlier is now is the time that people real builders are in web3 the talent is being attracted yes. to web3 and there yeah. is a lot of opportunity to build unique solutions to problems similar to how there were major solutions and problems in the last trend, right? Um, yes. And in the internet age, and and so when you think of some of those some of those trends, what do you, what do you like? I think of enterprise, right? I think of yes. enterprise as being something that's going to be coming in the next hype cycle, if you will, of of or the no, next. No, the hype enterprise. Cycle. Okay, I'll tell you about the enterprise. Enterprise is not going to come. Till there is a firm regulation because yeah. they cannot price that risk in and they need to price that risk in if they're a publicly traded company or if they are even an LLC with partners and directors and board of directors and stuff, then they have to show the, you know, what this risk is priced in as. So until there is a firm regulation of what's happening, how these things are taxed, how these things are, uh, they work in the, in the economy and stuff, enterprise is not going to enter till that time. So that will be the catalyst for it. Once and do you feel that that's the... going to be part of this next year or two years? Is is some of Who those knows? things happening, or you think we're you, you think we're far away from it? Probably, yeah, even three to four years over time. Yeah, so we are for enterprise to adopt it. We are three to four years away, at least, at least, if not five. 
So let's talk a little bit about that concept combined with the fact that downturns or recessions are the time to build, right? Regardless of Web3, but let's, you know, let's stay on the Web3 topic for the sake of it. What's coming over the next year or two from your perspective? Yeah. So let me tell you, give you an example of, of Facebook. I think Facebook started 2004, if I'm not mistaken, something around, around that time, 2004, five, something like that. It took maybe eight years before big enterprise started advertising on it. You know, probably it was like 2012 before most big enterprises seriously started looking at Facebook as a medium of advertisement advertising and all that and and another four years after that before it really caught up so so does that mean that you should sit away from it no in fact that is the ideal opportunity because there is arbitrage so i was buying google adwords in 2004 when most people didn't even know google adwords existed (laughs) they were saying oh you should be doing ads and yellow pages and things like that but I could buy things for 10 cents. And the same thing in my category later on was worth 15 to $20 per click. <laughs> so so the thing is that there is arbitrage and that's when you get really good opportunity to get in at much, much lower price where, um, when no enterprise is there at the moment. In 2004, no one was advertising on AdWords. We had no competitors. So it was like, because it's all auction-based in, in AdWords, it was next to nothing. It's like the, the cheapest... <laughs> possible price so so the same thing happens in every medium when ads on instagram are cheap it was in really early days but then later on everyone jumps in ad gets higher then your cost of acquiring a customer is so much higher that it's not viable anymore so you don't want to wait till every enterprise and every (laughs) every person is on web3 so time to go jump in is when there's very few people in so you can carve out a niche so you can carve out a like a foothold in in that space so now now is the time now is the time yeah you lose your opportunity you'll have to wait for the next tech cycle you know yeah and this is a big one so so what is what are some of the other now is the time type phrases do you have around around web3 like what what is now the time for as it relates to web3 Yes, I mean, one thing that we did mention is is building because building is a lot cheaper in the down downturn because the developers are cheaper, advertising is cheaper, everything is is a lot cheaper and and it's very simple. You know, you create a product, you get it tested, so you you put it out in front of the users. If users keep using it, that means it's good. If you not go back to the drawing board board pivot and see how you you can build something that people are interested in using. It's, it's as simple as that. And all that is so much cheaper right now than it will be when there is a, when we are again in the hype and the developers are getting paid five, six hundred thousand dollars, eight hundred thousand dollars by, by the big sort of tech firms or heavily funded tech firms. So, so now, now is the time to build. Now is the time to, to experiment and solve problems. What are some of the coolest things out there that you're seeing being built? What types of use cases? What types of, focused plot problems and solutions, if you will. One thing that blockchain does is it makes it really easy to build on top of things. So so that is something that you should always keep an eye out for because it encourages sort of collaboration. So previously you needed to wait for the API from a company to be released so you can connect with that that product. And whatever the data that API sent back, you could do that. That was in the centralized environment, whereas in a blockchain, everything 
it's a sort of like an open ledger. All the details are out there. So it's like, you know, you can go to each scan and see, okay, who bought this token, who sold it to who. And and now when you have that data available in a decentralized way without the, the middleman, then you can build things on top of it. And whether it is analytical products or or some other products based on that, you can do those sort of things. So you don't you no longer need permission for for that sort of a thing. And so there is now the only limitation is your creativity because no one is stopping you building anything in this space. You don't even need the sort of API permissions and things like that from the um, or, or the company to even have an API or anything because the data is on the blockchain for you to to utilize and see and stuff. Yeah. What 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 else? What what else is happening in the world of web3? What else is oh there are so many so many projects. <laughs> like so many projects. I don't know where, where to even even start. Um, well like one I one we've talked about before which has been a a pretty, you know, an area of NFT meets meets general engagement is play to earn games, right? Yes. Um, and 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 I find that space truly fascinating, especially as you yes. talked about it. So that's one example, right? Maybe yeah. talk a little bit about what that what that is and what that even means, because I'm sure okay, most people are like, fun. what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Play to earn games is basically you get rewarded in the tokens or the NFTs of the game, but then that has its own complications because of just how humans behave. As soon as money gets involved, it's no longer play. It is work. And it becomes work to earn. That is everyone's job anyway. So, you know, that no longer fun. And then when the when the token values decrease, like what has happened in the in the market currently, then it's no longer viable and people weren't having fun. So people are not sticking around. Then they go to the next game or next one that pays. Or if no nothing pays, they go back to the web two game because there was no money involved. And once money gets involved, it becomes work. So you had to be sort of careful in just because um, that's just how we as humans behave. So that is a that is a quite interesting thing. The other thing that I'm seeing the trend is, and I think more and more NFTs will be tied to access. That once you own an NFT, you can get you know access to your content, access to um, events, access to like what Gary V did. So there would be some real utility that you know you want to log into the software, you'd need that NFT to log into their software, and the only way to get access to the software is to buy that NFT. And then you'd have to go to an auction platform to buy that NFT and stuff. So, so that that's another thing. I know that nearly every artist and every singer, songwriter, producer, content creator is looking at monetizing their content by using NFTs because it was, um, and it is still to a certain extent extremely hard to monetize your content if you are an artist. Doesn't matter, you're a music artist or a or like a graphic. Uh, design artists it's super super challenging most artists don't make a lot of money it's a bit like basketball you know the top 100 people in basketball make all the money (laughs) and then if you just play basketball for fun on the on the street you are not gonna make any money most like you know the tens of millions don't make any money it's same in every sport same in any any creative industry but now with nfts even you can have 100 fans and you can still monetize it um so so that's a very interesting thing that is that is going to happen and and that is already happening and and nothing is sort of stopping it once again because there are no middle parties you know there's no middleman you don't have to wait for 
Spotify to approve your music or anything. You can mm-hmm. just create music. You can just put it on NFT, sell it to people and say, hey, if you own this, I'll come and play on your birthday at your home or something, you know, if you own the NFT and stuff. So, and you can sell it for a thousand dollars, which was not possible before, but then with Spotify or Apple Music or something like that. So it's it's very interesting time. I mean, this is just one use case of NFT. The other thing that's happening is DAOs with people creating organizations, people creating companies in really sort of quick time uh, time frame and, and raising incredible amounts of money or coming together, bending together for just one cause. It might be, you know, go and buy this public park, create a DAO, do that, and then donate it to a charity or whatever, and then close down. And you could do that. You could do that and raise 100 million. And there are DAOs who have done that. Um, and DAOs, just for everyone listening, decentralized autonomous organizations, right? Exactly right. Yes. And you can do that now, which was not possible before, or, or it was possible. You would have to raise that sort of funds like a, in a public IPO, and that would take years. Now, those sort of things happen in a matter of week. And that's why it's like with Web3, it is so much faster Everything is so much faster to build on and you build on other people's and other people build on your products and stuff. So it is a very new, different way of thinking and doing things. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And, and in some ways, you know, not not even that different way of thinking about things because everything comes in cycles. Right. And so, yes, you know, there, you know, you always go all in on being this hierarchical organization or you go all yes. in on being this decentralized organization. And and things have always kind of gone in those sort of cycles. And we're at a new cycle, right? We're at, we're at a new part of this cycle. And one thing I find interesting about use cases like Zappos or use cases like I think there's a gaming company similar to it is the idea of reinventing organizations, right? Or the book even reinventing organizations around teal yeah. organizations. You know, some of those concepts around how to build companies in a little bit different of a manner is now more possible through things like DAOs. How, how do you absolutely how do you connect? How do you connect those things in, in the, you know, the current way of thinking, and maybe even some of those books like reinventing organizations, and use cases like Zappos and where they succeeded and failed, versus what's happening today and and where things go in the future with Web three. And I know that's I a think, loaded question. Yeah, but... I I think there is a a model that will overcome all this is like, which would be some form of an hybrid model that for some parts of the government, there would still be a central leadership, but for some parts of the governance, they will use some sort of a token or a DAO mechanics. Mm-hmm. And and you can create DAO in few, you know, few minutes, uh, pretty much the, like even the platform that we are building, smart contract dot recipes, you can use a smart contract from our library and create whether it's a DAO or an NFT or an airdrop or your own token or, or whatever functionality you need in a no-code environment, you can create it in a couple of minutes and stuff. So so I think there's going to be a lot more tools that would allow people to do that. And and yeah, so I think that there would be a hybrid model in the, in the short run, just like, you know, just like we don't have a full-scale AI or uh, the most powerful combinations are human plus AI. So the most powerful combination would be some centralization with some decentralization kind of a thing so that everyone gets a stake, everyone gets a say, but there is still an overriding sort of power when things get stuck. So so that's the sort of a thing that will 
happen. I, that's what I see happening in the short term. So how how can those listening get, you know, let's just start with the folks who are you know, not as well-versed on Web3, right? Um, yes. How can those folks get started if they're like, oh, that sounds pretty interesting. How can they get started in, in Web3 learning, if you will? Yeah, so that's very interesting. I mean, for, uh, of course, there is a whole ton of information on the internet. And the other thing is to get involved in a project. That's what I'd say is get involved in a, either a DAO or a, or a project that, that you can relate with that's working in your field. So it does not matter what field you are working in, whether it is in, in climate science or medicine or health, or does not matter. You can pick a term and, de- and then search it in Google, space blockchain, space crypto, space Web3. Just do a few of those searches. You will find projects in that space in, in Web3. Uh, research those projects. Nearly every Web3 project has a Discord. And in Discord, you can go and start participating. You can see what they're building, what they are doing, and and then learn before. And this is the number one thing I'd say is learn before you invest in anything because there are a lot of people um, in this space. Um, a, either they don't know what they're building. They're ex- I mean, everyone is experimenting. So you really need to be careful. And, and very, very few who know in, and intentionally are building something that's not going to last. They're just building for a month as a money grab and going to do rug pull or disappear after a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and those that are you know they know what Web three is right, but they're looking to get more engaged in the community. Are there any are there any you know ways for them to really dive in and get engaged once they've done their research? I think another another thing that you can do is, of course, for a lot of people, NFTs have been a a gateway to to trying out things in Web three. That was probably the first time they created a wallet and stuff. So you could start with creating a digital wallet, and there are things such as testnet. So if you're interested in building, you can go to te- testnet. So just search like, a, and a lot of them will even give you their testnet sort of ETH to just play around with things, to build around those sort of things. But once again, there, there is just so much information and on the internet. And also I run a podcast where what I do is I interview founders of different Web3 startups on what they're building, why they're building, why they think that their project is even needed in the world, you know? So those sort of things. So yeah, so that's great. Yeah, that's I'm glad you said that. That's where I was going. So we'll make sure to yes. we'll make sure to have a link to your podcast in the show notes. It's awesome if folks are lear- looking to learn more about what founders are doing in web3, some of the great use cases that they're talking to Sam about, and ultimately, yes. you know, a, a great way to educate yourself on a lot of the things that are happening in this world because it is going to be the future. <laughs> the hype yes. hype hype cycle or recession aloof, it's really going to be uh, where things head in, and it's really more of a matter of when than it is if. So, yes. you know, u- ultimately, thank you for for all the knowledge you've dropped around all things Web three today, Sam. To close us off, I just want to you know run through our uh, founder five, which we close every show with five quick hit yes. questions that teach us about all things growth. And so, to yeah. start us off on there, Sam, it's what what is the number one metric or KPI that you're relentlessly focused on? Engagement. Number one is engagement. Yes, because it's very easy to look at user numbers or signups or things like that. But those signups mean nothing if people just sign up and 
and don't continue to engage with your platform or your product. So if they just sign up to your, whether it's a SaaS product or a Web3 product, they come in once and they never come back again. <laughs> that means you're building a leaky bucket. So how, how often they're engaging, how long they're engaging, are they coming in every week, every month, and so on. So yeah, engagement is number one. Well said, Sam. Yeah, I mean, vanity metrics are one thing, but engagement, yes. there's no vanity around that. That means people yes. love what you're doing. All right, yeah. next up, top tip for founders that are in their growth stage, whether they're Web2 or Web3 founders alike. Yeah, solve problems. Um, build things that people want. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy to get caught up in the in the hype and, and also see yourself that what you know is what people want. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What you think is what people want, but un unless and until people vote with their wallets, you don't really know because people will tell you all sorts of things when you ask them questions. <laughs> but the real truth is you ask them for money, ask them for credit card information to fulfill that order. And yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. Next up, what is the book or podcast that's helped you grow the most as a founder? Uh, the book, I would say it's a book on mindset. And it's, I would recommend that book in an audio format, not in a text format, because it's by a rapper and, and he has his way with music and words and stuff. And he narrates it. So it's a book by Carl Rust. It's all in your head. R-U-S-S. R-U-S-S. All in your head. Yeah. It's all in your head. So it's amazing. It's a very short one and a half hour audio book. Highly, highly recommended. I've listened to it multiple times and, uh, and podcast. I, um, instead of following the whole podcast, I'm a fan of certain episodes. So certain episodes on on Tim Ferriss's podcast, uh, the episodes that are by Naval Ravikant or by Balaji Srinivas. So those are the two people on when they've come on his podcast. They are, they are the, his most shared and most listened podcast episodes ever anyway. So they he gets them on his podcast every once in a while, every six months or so. So, so just those episodes, I won't say the whole, because he's got hundreds of episodes. So I'll just say those episodes are good enough. Okay. Okay. All right. Next up, what actor would play you in a movie about your journey and your growth? Oh, I never thought about it actually, because I don't have that much time to to watch movies and stuff but i i think because of my ethnicity and stuff it might be they, they, someone like dev patel or someone like that <laughs> nice nice okay yeah. all right last but not least when you look back at all you've achieved in your lifetime what is going to be the title of your autobiography the title of my autobiography is uh i I seriously, I don't know that one. That uh, that that's a very interesting question because I feel like I have got so much more to to live for and and do and experiment <laughs> that my life every year looks so different to to the previous years. So so the the best is yet to come would probably be more like it. Okay, I'll take that. That's a, that's a good one. I like yes. that a lot. Awesome. Well. Sam, you've given a ton to everyone listening in today. So thank you, first of all. Second of all, I always want to offer everyone a little bit of self-promotion. How can those listening help you out? Go and check out my podcast, Web3 with Sam Kamani, or follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter. And I do often post a lot of stuff about Web3. If you are interested in, in knowing about Web3, 
Um, apart from that, I ha I don't have any ask. If you are stuck, if you're looking for help with growth, especially if in your Web3 startup, feel free to reach out. Uh, my DMs are always op open. And if I'm not able to help you, I'd be very happy. I'd be very happy to connect you to someone who can help you. So yeah, that's that's about it. Nice. That's awesome. And so just closing us off, how can how how can listeners get in touch with you the best? Is it LinkedIn? Is it, you know, through the, you know, through the website? What yeah, LinkedIn. Way? Yeah, samkamani.com should have all the links to okay. where you can connect with. Yes. All right. We'll and and all on. the things that I'm I'm doing. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Sam, thanks again, man. Thanks for joining us on The Dirt. And as always, thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Yeah, you as well, Sam. Take care. See ya. If you loved today's episode of The Dirt, make sure you rate it on your favorite platform. And if you really liked us, go ahead and leave us an honest review. Thanks again for tuning in to The Dirt. <laughs>